The following is a presentation of WAER Sports, the original home of the Orangemen. Uh, it's not trivial. Uh, I know that it feels like it might be inconsequential uh, considering what's happening in the world right now. But I think what I've also learned is uh, it is important to people and it's important to have balance in life. And some of that balance has been taken away, but it's not taken away forever. It'll be back. They do so in a day littered with questions. They're on their way to the quarterfinals if it happens on one of the wackiest days that you can possibly remember. And fans, due to unforeseen circumstances, the game tonight has been postponed. You are all safe. The sports world has come to a screeching halt. The league has made a decision to end this year's Atlantic Coast Conference men's basketball tournament. Hop, let's stay safe. Let's stay safe, Jack. From WAER, this is Talk Back. I'm Cooper Boardman. We start our journey on the day everything changed. Life grinded to a halt on Wednesday, March 11th. Jack McMullen was calling Syracuse's first ACC tournament game on WAER. Nothing has ever hit this hard on the sports field in my lifetime. I'm 22 years old, and I'll, you know, I'll say this the same way that I am the broadcast. I'm 22 years old. This is the weirdest night of my life. Jay Alter saw players' seasons ending before his eyes. We're on the air as well. Boston College said we're done for the semester, so those women playing have no idea that their whole school season just got wiped out. And Ian Eagle saw the NBA season end firsthand. Plus, few understand the impact of March Madness like the bird. I think more than anything else, it's the stories that are told every single March, the great tales that are written, and they get attention, much deserved attention, based on what they do on the basketball court. But that's just a conduit and a vehicle to tell some deeper stories. That tournament will never begin, but we'll try to tell some of the stories that we wanted to see. Before we get too far, a little bit of housekeeping. Subscribe to Talk Back wherever you get your podcast, and you can also follow us on Twitter at WAER Sports, as well as SoundCloud. Just search WAER. Now we turn the clock back. Cooper, I was in San Francisco. I had just called a Warriors-Clippers game for TNT the night before. Leonard, major mismatch. Bowman ends up on the deck. And count it for Kawhi Leonard. And I stayed in the Bay Area because the Nets were coming to town. I, it was just one of those fortunate scheduling quirks that worked in my favor. Ian Eagle is busier than almost anybody else in the business. Since he graduated from Syracuse in 1990, Ian's become a voice of March Madness in the NFL. But the NBA is where he grew his own career first. He calls Nets games on yes, and his schedule is constantly filled with national assignments too. So a Wednesday in early March was completely unassuming. And I stayed in the area waiting for the Nets to get into town to call a Nets-Warriors game on Thursday. And if you recall, that was the game where the NBA came out and said they're going to play it with no fans. The city of San Francisco has followed the lead of neighboring Santa Clara County and banned all gatherings of 1,000 people or more 
for two weeks. That ban will include Warriors games, which means, yes, the other shoe we have all been waiting to drop has hit the floor. So it was definitely going to be an adjustment. I was talking to my producer, Frank DeGrace, throughout the day, and we were just discussing some of the intricacies of how that would work where the radio announcers would be, where the Warriors TV announcers would be, and their radio announcers, would there be any issues with crosstalk because there were no fans to balance out the sound? Were we sitting next to each other? So we were just dealing with the logistics of it. And that night, when everything came to a head, the president spoke. Today, the World Health Organization officially announced that this is a global pandemic. We have been in frequent contact with our allies, and we are marshalling the full power of the federal government and the private sector to protect the American people. That certainly shifted things in the minds of Americans and worldwide. And then once the Rudy Gobert news broke. The NBA has suspended the season after Rudy Gobert has tested positive for coronavirus. Now, that's video from Monday at a press conference when Gobert was trying to joke around about the overreaction to the virus touching. And the NBA suspended play. Uh, at that point, uh, I jumped on a red-eye flight and flew back to the East Coast. Uh, initially, I was going to take a red-eye after that Nets-Warriors game to get back to the New York area to call the finals of the Atlantic 10 in Brooklyn. But it was a domino effect, and we know what happened after that. Uh, following the NBA's announcement, the NCA made its own announcement and canceled the tournament for this year. Yeah, it's very interesting, too, because I, I feel like, at least from you know my perspective, the college students maybe understood the gravity of it before everybody else because those were one of the first things to go. And then the you know people involved in sports understood the gravity even maybe a little bit earlier because the sports were one of also the first things to go. Yeah, I would agree, Cooper. And, and it made it feel real. Then when athletes were tested and started announcing positive tests, I think it brought it to another level. And it's a shame that it required something like that, but removing the stigma from this has been really important in the process of people understanding it and digesting it and now taking the necessary steps to be safe, to distance themselves and to quarantine and hopefully flatten the curve and uh, get back to, to some form of normalcy eventually. That's what we're all rooting for. The situation changed by the minute on the day that sports stopped. Everybody was in the same spot and no one could really take it all in. Jay Alter graduated from Syracuse just three years ago. Now he calls college basketball and college lacrosse on ACC Network. On March 11th, Jay was assigned a Boston College women's lacrosse game. When I left that morning, there wasn't even a doubt in my mind that it wouldn't get played. And my analyst, she and Stanwick Birch, um, called and goes, do you think this game's going to happen? Like, literally hour by hour, things are getting canceled. I'm like, oh, game's going to happen. We show up. The game does happen. And I think only because it was a 2 o'clock game, if that game is like, seven o'clock at night i don't even think it gets played that's how hour by hour this whole thing was going actually while we were on the air the ivy league canceled its entire spring season ivy league presidents are announcing their unanimous decision to cancel all spring athletics 
practices and competitions through the remainder of the academic year. Individual the hours and all the, you know, the Yale, Andy Shea coach team, like, their season's all over. Syracuse lacrosse is scheduled to play Cornell in Ithaca on Tuesday, April 7th. It is not clear if that game will go I'm on. in a group chat with Anish, our coordinating producer for lacrosse, John Vasallo, and then one of our producers, John Kettering. And I got the Ivy News live on the air, and I... So I texted them while we're doing the game, and they all wrote back, oh, God, that sucks because the Ivy is so good for lacrosse. But none of us said, oh, the whole season's good. Like, everyone's going to cancel. We just said that's the Ivy League being the Ivy League. And, well, unfortunate, like, we'll still move on with, you know, the ACC and all the other leagues. <laughs> so we're half documenting the game, half giving updates. A lot of unanswered questions. A lot of unanswered questions. People continue to determine what will happen because of the coronavirus. We uh, we spoke with Boston College's coaching staff before, and they said, "We're just going to keep doing what we're doing until we're, we're told otherwise." Uh -huh. They're still in class at BC. Well, we were on the air as well. Boston College said we're done for the semester. So those women playing have no idea that their whole school season just got wiped out. It was just a bizarre broadcast, and then you get hop in the car, and you're kind of reeling from that, and then you're hearing, you know, conference tournaments are getting canceled, and then it sets in, oh my God, they're not going to be able to have March Madness. I mean, if this is the trajectory of this, we're going to wake up tomorrow, and this thing's going to be canceled. Jay's prophecy, of course, did come true, and as the night of March 11th wore on, the season grew more in doubt. WAER sports director Jack McMullen had a front row seat as the news broke. The 22-year-old was set to call Syracuse's opening game of the ACC tournament against North Carolina. The ACC was one of the last movers, so in the Coliseum it was pretty quiet in terms of what you know Swafford was going to decide what the ACC tournament was going to do. They were one of the last conferences to say, we're going to move two games without fans. I think that came out in between sessions. So, you know, all of this is happening. And, and as the hours start to tick by, you see more and more information coming out. But the frenzy really started to happen during our game. This is Syracuse men's basketball, and you're listening to it on WAER. Postseason basketball is here for Syracuse as they open the 2020 ACC tournament. The number six seed Orange take on the 14th seeded North Carolina Tar Heels. We were trying to say and we were trying to convey the message to people that the only thing that we know right now in the state of sports is that we don't know anything. As contradictory as that is. But we wanted to be open and honest about the fact that we have no idea if Syracuse is going to win this game. A, because we thought Carolina would be a lot better that night than they actually were. And B, we had no idea if this was going to be Syracuse's final game of the season because we don't know what's going to happen to the NIT. Say they make a run the NCAA tournament. We didn't know that the ACC tournament was going to be put on pause. 
The ACC releasing a statement earlier today that no fans will be in attendance for the remainder of the tournament as precautions due to the coronavirus. And this is far bigger than just the Atlantic Coast Conference. Let's just get this out of the way right now. The statement from the NCAA Director of Communications, Stacey Osborne, this afternoon. Marama Sidibe and Garrison Brooks will go after each other at the middle of the floor. We go through the first five minutes. We go to break. Rudy Gobert test positive. The NBA suspended season. This all happened during our first break. Syracuse off to a great start, 15 to 6 over North Carolina. Just about five minutes gone in the first half of the first meeting for Syracuse in the ACC tournament. But we do want to update you folks on something going on at the next level of basketball. Utah Jazz Center Rudy Gobert has tested positive for coronavirus. And because so we come back, and you cannot focus on basketball at that point because you know that this is bigger, and this game means so little in the grand scheme of things. It's two in two minutes, but Joe Girard is the one that goes to the bench, not Garrier. So Garrier will stay in with two fouls picked up in, honestly, less than two minutes. And it's on national television. I think it's on ESPN2 at that time. But it means nothing, because everybody's focused on E1, which has gone to the NBA is suspended. We keep playing. Now the orange in transition left to right. To the left wing, left corner. Hughes, a three. No, off front. Rebound to Brandon Robinson, and he puts it on the deck. That was the start of the vacuum. And it's this informational vacuum that just went so fast in such little time that it felt like it lasted forever. That's exactly what he's done with 13 and a half to go in the game. Syracuse up 21 points on Carolina. You had no idea what was actually happening in the basketball game. Here's the thing, though, for Syracuse. You can't keep your foot off the gas pedal. Syracuse could have been up 50. They could have been down 50. Thank goodness they were up, like, what, 20 at the half or something? One question is answered. Syracuse takes down Carolina. They're on their way to the quarterfinals if it happens on one of the wackiest days that you can possibly remember. The final today in Greensboro Coliseum and the last game of the ACC tournament that will have spectators in the building. The Orange 81, North Carolina 53. This has been a surreal day, Jack. But it's hard to even remember that. I don't remember. We have no clue what's going to happen, but I mean, this is the weirdest. I'm 22 years old. This is the weirdest day of my life. Yeah, it's up there. I mean, I think that that part, you know, the game action certainly played into that being the weirdest night of my life because I did not expect Syracuse to come out guns a-blazing like they did against Roy Williams in North Carolina because they've never come out guns blazing against Roy Williams in North Carolina. If I told you on November 5th that on March 10th, in March 11th, pardon, of 2020, Syracuse would beat North Carolina in the ACC tournament in Greensboro by 28 points, you would have laughed in my face. But all in all, an 81-53 win by the Orange over North Carolina. We'll start with Orange overtime in a moment, but I know Hop is going to echo this. Jonathan Hoppy will echo this, but please stay safe. Please stay inside. Please try not to touch your face. And I know it's really hard. I, I twirl the front part of my hair all the time. Just don't do it. But Hop, let's stay safe. Let's stay safe, Jack. Thank There's you very something much, crazy about public health that just, you know, makes you think a little bit more about everything else that's not just Syracuse men's basketball. So I wouldn't be shocked if Elijah Hughes didn't think about Syracuse men's basketball that night after the game. You know, I certainly didn't. 
It's only been about a month since that fateful night. Syracuse beat North Carolina, but it was a win that was never celebrated. Life became more important, and the basketball season left few what-ifs. But across the hill, Syracuse men's lacrosse was just beginning to write its story. Far side, Scanlon shoots and buries it! One, two, three, four, five, six, seven goals for Chase Scanlon, and the Orange lead by six, 29 seconds to go, third quarter. Last decade was the first without a national championship for SU since lacrosse became an NCAA sport over 40 years ago. The season was put on pause with Syracuse undefeated and number one in the country. This was supposed to be the year. Jay Alter says that we don't yet know how this team will be remembered. Well, let's say they go another 10 years without a title, right? I'm not saying that will happen, but it, you know, could happen, right? You know, it's tough. I get a vote for the Inside Lacrosse Media poll. I really battled with whether I should put them one or not, because while they were undefeated and looked awesome, and a case could certainly be made, if you just take the sample size of the games they played, they didn't really play anybody. I'm not saying they wouldn't have beaten every team in the country. I just don't know, whereas Cornell had beaten Penn State and went to Ohio State and it was like a total toss-up between Cornell and Syracuse, and obviously they were, at this point when we're talking right now, we would actually know who the better team is because they would have played. <laughs> we're about to do the All-American vote, and I'm like, same thing. Like, a lot of guys can, you know, compile stats against lesser opponents. This is, again, very unimportant compared to the landscape going on in the world. But it is just, you know, interesting debates to have with yourself. Like, what should I do here? Like, <laughs> like what's the right thing to do? You keep hearing the word unprecedented, and that is yeah. in the news, that is in, you know, the medical field and everything like that. And it trickles all the way down to the lacrosse All-Americans too, I guess, right? <laughs> exactly. You know, you just got to, you know, approach everything you know, when you're a small little bubble, right? You can't just you can't just let the magnitude of the situation, I guess, kind of stunt everything in your life. Like you still gotta, you know, you still gotta vote for all Americans in lacrosse and give yourself something to hold on to. Syracuse, by the way, ended up with nine All Americans, and that message we just heard from Jay is one that we've heard a bunch from broadcasters, from players, and from fans. Everyone is looking for something to hold on to, but there is something a little bit bigger. As much as I do live, breathe sports all day, every day, this has actually been a moment where I felt like I've actually stepped away from it for a couple of weeks and just focused on, you know, my immediate family. My fiance is a third grade teacher and to watch her set up a virtual classroom and, you know, put in. 14 hour days to make sure that she's got lesson plans prepared and that she can upload the videos of the lessons and try and do a Google Hangout with 27 third graders. I mean, that to me has been like overwhelming and been like, man, my job is really meaningless. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's great, it's fun, I love it, but what this woman is doing and teachers across the country and nurses and doctors across the country. That is kind of what stood out to me. 
Broadcasters love sports, but they also love people. You can't tell stories about events without caring about the individuals, whether that's players or coaches. And in the case of Ian Eagle, his first thought was about his family. I had some other personal stuff going on because my family was scattered. Uh, my daughter, who attends Syracuse, was in Australia studying abroad, uh, studying, using uh, the quotations on that. And my wife was visiting her in Australia at the time. Uh, my son Noah, a WAER and Syracuse alum, based in LA and was waiting to see what his next move could be. So when I returned home after the Red Eye flight, uh, my first thought was, how do I get everybody back home and get them there safe and sound? So that became my main priority. And as the days unfolded, uh, there was a greater understanding of the scope of this and how it was going to affect the sports world and how far reaching this has been. How was it getting them back from Australia? Everything worked out. Fortunately, my wife ended up jumping on a flight a few days earlier than she was originally planning. So she got home okay. Uh, eventually, when some broader decisions were being made in regards to students that were studying overseas, and everything worked out. But I know that's not the case for everybody else. Uh, there are still people that are trying to figure out exactly how to get back to where they want to be. And uh, we know that collectively this has been a domino effect like we have never experienced before. Sports in the U.S. paused on March 11th. The question ever since has been how do we fill that void? Networks have scrambled to show reruns. Twitter brackets fill the need for competition. But however useful those distractions might be, we also have to talk about what they're replacing. And that is what we lost in early March. I want to talk a little bit about March Madness. And certainly, you know, as someone who's been a part of an event like that for so many years, to, to have it canceled like this. What, in your mind, does the, the void of March Madness mean? I think more than anything else, it's the stories that are told every single March. The great tales that are written by sometimes athletes we just were not aware of and they get attention, much deserved attention, based on uh, what they do on the basketball court. Trying to pick his pocket, off it, Matura dishes to the jam! Tyreek Jones rocks the rim! But that's just a conduit and a vehicle to tell some deeper stories about their background or about their struggle or about their path. And to me, that's always been the most enjoyable part of covering this tournament. You know, I work off a pretty distinct schedule every year between NFL coverage, NBA coverage, college basketball coverage. And I have a, a good idea of what my schedule looks like. I write it down. I'm old school. I still have... Uh, one of those uh, yearly calendars that I follow and I write in different color coding what game I have, which day I have it. The difference with the NCAA tournament is the mystery behind it. You don't know where you're going. You don't know which teams you're getting. Hello, everyone. Good afternoon or good evening to you, depending on where you are. I'm Greg Gumbel. Welcome to the 2017 NCAA Basketball Championship Selection Show. 
And on Selection Sunday, when you get that phone call at 8 o'clock, 8.30 at night, you've already looked at the pairings. Uh, I can tell you on a, on a personal level, from a broadcaster's point of view, I will view each site and say to myself, wow, if I get this particular city. Overall, number one seed in the country is Villanova. The defending national champions playing in the East region, and why not? If I get a different site, I might say to myself ahead of time, ooh, this is going to be a challenge. I have seen none of these teams. And oftentimes, you get the latter, and you get the phone call, and it's almost in slow motion. I looked at the sites. I thought to myself, oh, if I get Providence, this is going to be great. And then the phone call comes in, hey, Ian, uh, you're going to Seattle. <laughs> you realize uh, you just don't have the same frame of reference on the eight teams that you're covering. But it's like a fire drill, and you get yourself up to speed, you prepare, it's an avalanche of information, and I know it's a challenge every year, but I thoroughly enjoy that challenge and thoroughly enjoy learning about these athletes and try to tell their story so that others... Uh, can take some inspiration and create some memories. To me, that that's probably the headline here, is we all have March memories that never fade based on players that you may not have even been aware of before the tournament began. I know you didn't obviously know what teams or place that you would have been in, but what March memory do you wish that you would have gotten to see or a storyline that you would have gotten to see play out? I think Dayton was the one that really stood out. The Kansas Jayhawks, the fourth-ranked team in the nation, taking on the undefeated and extremely impressive Dayton Flyers, who are led by a budding superstar at the college basketball level. Uh, this school that has had success, but not at the national scale that they potentially could have achieved this year, this just felt like a year where we were going to get one of those champions, maybe from a non-power conference. Uh, they could have gone on a Butler-esque type of run, and it would not have surprised me the chemistry they had on that team. I started preparing for them because of the Atlantic 10 uh, tournament, and I think they were a legitimate candidate to go out and, and win the whole thing this season. And Dayton's season ended with accolades. Obi Toppin won National Player of the Year. Flyers headman Anthony Grant was named the country's top coach. It was a banner season, but when the clock struck midnight, that storybook ending became nothing more than a fantasy. Sports are unplanned. It's a chaos that creates the beauty. Yet, sports are also a constant. They certainly were for us at WAER Sports. And those who came before us leave the best advice. What strikes me, uh, certainly doing this with, with you, Cooper, and for WAR, uh, is the bond that we share, that Syracuse University graduates share, and then the amount of pride I have with WAR and the history that continues to develop and the good practices and habits that are passed down from class to class to class, uh, that never fades away. I'm 
30 years removed from the university as a student. I graduated in 1990, and it's hard to even say that number and wrap my brain around it, but those memories stick with me, and the lessons that I learned, and the people that I worked with, all of that still plays a role in how I do my job, and how I prepare, and how I approach it. When sports stopped on March 11th, it began a new era. The decisions made by sports leagues signaled to a nation that this was serious. Look, COVID-19 has left no part of this country untouched, but now every place is looking for a way forward. For the time being, that path forward looks different than it ever has before. Sunshine beats down on empty basketball courts. Arenas stand empty and waiting. But there are two things we know about sports right now. The first is that live sporting events won't be played for at least a while. Speculation is, of course, impossible. But the answer lies in what we can hold on to. The second thing we know is that sports will be back. And until then, TalkBack is here. Thanks for joining us for the first episode. This was a WAER sports podcast produced by Carl Mogline. I'm Cooper Boardman, and we'll see you next week.